Yankees Files podcast. We are back. I'm Will Harris. You're Alec Whipple. And the rest of you are listening to the first episode of this podcast in the year 2023. Uh, Whipple, it's uh, it's everybody's Jordan year. Um, alternatively, maybe it's like everybody's Mattingly year. I guess that would be the appropriate Yankees analog. Um, how's, how's the new year treating you? I know you just got back to school today. Um, you know, how are you, you were studying for finals for a long time and telling us a lot about it. Uh, how did they go? How are you doing? I'm doing well. They went well. Um, without going into detail, I'll say that my, my grade on one of my finals that happened to coincide with Aaron Judge resigning, uh, retroactively makes that probably one of the, on the short list for one of the greatest days of my life. Um, so that's a fun development, but yeah, I, I enjoyed the time off. Uh, I know we both got to visit the West Coast, and now we're back on the better coast and right ahead into our third calendar year of Yankees Files and pitchers and catchers reporting in less than a month. I mean, this is all pretty crazy stuff. Not sure I thought we would even get to 2023 as a society <laughs> and as a podcast. <laughs> nice to hear all the confidence you had in uh, in society and in Yankees Files. Um so suffice it to say, you're still enrolled in law school. I, I am and will continue to be for the foreseeable future. So we, we only have good, good feelings about that. That's good. Um, so Whipple, last winter during the lockout, we did a lot of uh, kind of like fun, random stuff. Uh, we ha- had a Remember Some Guys episode. We had a Hall of Fame ballot episode. We had... Eric Jagailo and Jake Cave on the podcast, um, you know, various various things like that because there weren't transactions to discuss or, you know, any player activity because there was a lockout uh, and we didn't want to just discuss the CBA all the time, so we didn't. Uh, this year, there have been transactions. We've spoken about them at length, whether it's the Yankees bringing back Aaron Judge and Anthony Rizzo or the Yankees signing Tommy Canely or the Yankees signing Carlos Rodon. Um, there's been some other news like that Frankie Montas will be on the IL to start the season, further contributing to my position that the uh, trade deadline was an unmitigated disaster. Um, but the Yankees still have the best pitching staff in baseball, so it's fine. Um, you know, there's there's been plenty going on, but we've really covered it. And uh, it's time to do a fun random thing again. And uh, that thing is we are going to draft the 10. Well, let me make sure I'm precise about this. We're going to draft 10 of the craziest games of the past 10 seasons. We're going to draft one per season. You have the first pick. And we we can't repeat years. So I have an inkling about which game you're going to pick first because you already told me. Um, and you may have an inkling about which game I'm going to pick second. But, uh, you know, if you pick a game from, I don't know, 2019, I then cannot pick another game from 2019 uh, and so on. So unless you have anything to add, you have the floor. Let's go. Yeah, one thing is just Yankees Files and our baseball friendship in general was just built on weird stuff. So even though there is baseball happening um, during this winter, unlike last winter, we are never going to stop the weird stuff. And I'm Mm -hmm. just, yeah, I had this idea because we celebrate a lot of important games. We celebrate uh, important games in the playoff run, but 
oftentimes we don't truly appreciate just games that are crazy for the sake of being crazy. So hopefully this will be a fun uh, remember some guys, remember some games, remember some weird baseball from the last 10 years. And uh, unfortunately, the 2012 season wasn't included. Otherwise, I think Raul Abanez as a person would be at the top of the draft, even though this is a draft of games. I would have although, broken the rule. Although, let's, you know, one thing that you said to me as we were talking about how this draft should work is you said often we draft the... um or often we talk about the most significant games of a season. And this draft is intended not necessarily to focus on significant games, but just on crazy ones. And Raul Abanez played in some games that were both significant and crazy, but you and I might agree that the 2012 game we would pick would be the Melky Mesa game. Right, which did have Raul Abanez as a significant part. Uh, that was like pre Raul Abanez, Raul yeah, Abanez. Yeah, that's fair. But no, I, I think the reason we love Abanez is because his story like is the nexus of significant and crazy. Um, mm-hmm. So, you know, we'll save that for the 2012-20 year retrospective that we'll be doing in nine years. Um, God willing. <laughs> today, today, I'm going to start leading off this draft, talking about a game that I think if you heard the idea for this draft, as I said to you, there's probably four games, maybe three games on the short list, but I think most people would consider this at the top of the short list. I know Foolish Baseball does because he yep. made a video about it, and I think legally we're obligated to highlight any game, specific Yankees game that Foolish Baseball decides to make a video about. So I'm taking for my 2019 pick, I'm taking Yankees Twins, um, probably one of the probably the craziest game we've seen as Yankees fans. I just one of the craziest games at baseball in the last decade. Um, of course, Foolish Baseball, again, made a video about it. So, you know, it's pretty important. So this game came at a time, as many of you probably remember, where the Yankees could not get people out. And I, you know, that road trip through Boston and Minnesota, they were giving up about 10 runs a game. The fact that they won any of those games just shows you how crazy the 2019 season was. But completely insane. In this in this game specifically, um, the Yankees won fourteen to twelve, and the fun of this game, I think, you know, there was some back and forth in the early innings, but the fun of this game really comes later after the Twins took an eight to two lead off Domingo Herman. The Yankees end up coming back. Um, Didi Gregorius, Minnesota Twin killer, was right at the center yep. of it. Went five for five in this game with seven RBIs. Um, hit is in- that good? It, it, it's you know for Didi Gregorius against the Twins it's it's okay for you know <laughs> maybe for Glaber Torres against the Orioles it's also okay um but the Yankees took a nine to eight lead in the eighth inning and the WPA graph for this game is just insane I I know you've yes. all seen it but just go look at it if you haven't seen it but in, in the in the eighth inning the Yankees came back from a nine to five deficit and Gregorius hit a, a go ahead double so they were leading nine to eight. Zach Britton then gave up a go-ahead home run to Miguel Sano. And Yankee killer. Zach Britton giving up home runs for a ground ball pitcher. He's given up entirely too many home runs that will significantly haunt Yankees fans. Thankfully, this wasn't one of them. Um, but in this game, and, and this game, this 14-12 game, I mean, it's the Aaron Hicks game. Aaron Hicks hitting a go-ahead home run in the ninth. That would have on its own maybe made it the Aaron Hicks game. Um, unfortunately it was a Roldis Chapman scheduled, uh, wild day and which is like every third day pitches. So he actually worked out of 
significant trouble in this game because he walked the bases loaded and then only gave up one run. So the fact that this game so, got yeah. to extras at all, I, if you go through the box score, it's a game of missed opportunities for both teams. But it, it all wrapped up in the 10th when the Yankees took the lead. And then we all remember Aaron Hicks making the greatest catch you've ever seen to save that game, to bail out Adovino and Chad Green, and to give the Yankees a really hard-fought victory in a time where victories were not coming easy. I mean, we watch them pitch now, and then we remember what that was like three years ago when they could not get guys out. I mean, that specific road trip where they were getting rocked at Target Field and Fenway was just terrible, terrible times for the pitching staff. But this game, yeah, it really didn't mean anything, but I think Foolish Baseball uh, made it a video because it was so emblematic of the Yankees and the Twins and 2019 baseball in general. I mean, these are the top two home run teams of all time. They were massive run scorers in a season when run scoring was the name of the game. And they gave us in, in mid-July just one of the more fun games that you'll ever see uh, for Yankees fans. So I think it's a worthy number one pick. And um, we could talk. I don't know. You know, we'll we'll probably get to some of the other runners up or ones I also had on the short list. But this game just it it symbolizes that era of baseball, the juice ball era. And you know, Aaron Hicks doesn't do much for the Yankees except surprisingly get make make great defensive plays and hit clutch home runs every once in a while. So that um he didn't do much this season except for a few of those moments and this is the Aaron Hicks game and will be forever yeah that that was an insane game I remember uh being I mean so this game ended like pretty late at night um one one other quick thing to add in before you say where you were I was actually in London at this time and I woke up to the end of this game which is why it's so memorable for me I woke up in the 10th and I just had no idea baseball was Still, like, you assume, I mean, it's a six-hour time difference, so I assumed most games were over. And I woke up, like, what, what yeah. is going on in America? So I, I, was, I was at home in Connecticut, and, um, you know, we had just graduated college, and I wasn't moving to New York for another, you know, month and a half or so. And it was an 8 p.m. start on the East Coast. It was a five-hour game. Uh, so it ended, you know, close to one fifteen, and I, at one point, it must have been when they were, you know, when they were down, uh, like nine to five or something, because that was the case until late in the game. I was like, okay, I'm going to go to bed. And then like between me deciding to go to bed and actually falling asleep i start getting the notifications of the rally that ultimately put them up 10-9 and turned on the game and from that point i was uh just completely hooked obviously um but yeah that that game was unbelievable uh it is in many ways the aaron hicks game even though there's an argument that it should be the Didi Gregorius game, even though Glaber Torres really manufactured the last two runs that the Yankees uh, went ahead with in the 10th. Um, you know, there were contributions from all over the place from, uh, you know, even <laughs> was it the the walk that Mike Talkman took with two outs against mm-hmm. Taylor Rogers right yep. before the Hicks home run is a phenomenal plate appearance. Uh it's I mean there was strike away yeah, from losing. It, it's if he didn't it, do that. 
it really just that that game had everything. You know, Domingo Herman came into that game basically pitching as well as anyone in baseball, just from the perspective of when he was out there, the Yankees did not lose. Like to that point in the season, they were winning like almost all of his starts. Uh, and for him to completely implode in that way and then still have the Yankees, you know, come out on top uh, was was pretty cool. Uh, it may have been the last great Domingo Herman moment. Uh, it kind of went downhill from there, but um, just an incredible game. A very worthy first overall pick. Yeah, I, I'm intrigued to see what you do at uh, number two. I think I have an idea, but... Um... Do you want to discuss any other games from 2019 yeah. that, if if not for the obvious number one pick occurring in that year, we might have selected? So I think there's a clear number two for 2019, and that's the first London game. I mean, that ball sure. or, that ball was flying. That game was crazy. You know, when the Yankees came out and scored six in the first, I was like, okay, like yeah. it's kind of over. And the the final score of 17 to 13 and at the I think my memory from that game was that first inning where it was six spot for the Yankees six spot for the Red Sox I'm like what is going on here so for this game I was in that was America insane. and I said what is going on in London um <laughs> interestingly enough I was not in America but I was not in London either um and I also said, what is going on in London? So we have that in common this time. Yeah, I think that the London series as a whole would be like my runner-up pick. Um, another game that I would nominate, just because it was also on my short list, uh, I was at that game, was um, there was a Yankees-Blue Jays game, a Glaber Torres walk-off single at the end of a really good homestand for them, but Paxton yep. put them in a 5 nothing hole, and... I actually had been to one of the Yankees-Astros games a few days earlier where Hap got rocked. And again, this is 2019, so the pitching staff's getting rocked on a regular basis. And I kind of thought, like, oh, that's kind of it. But they rallied from 5 nothing down to tie it, take the lead after, I think it was 5 nothing Blue Jays, then 5-5 Yankees tied. Um, and then Gurriel, Lourdes Gurriel, hit a go-ahead home run. Then the Yankees tied it up and took the lead. Then Britain blew it in the ninth, and then Glaber walked it off in the ninth. So that was a pretty wild game. It sticks out for me more just because I was there, but kind of, again, emblematic of those 2019 uh, back, back and forth. Uh, I think there was like five or six home runs in that game. Um, those That would be like my my top three, I would say. Yeah, I the one I'll add to that because it's a game that I attended is uh, – Sunday, September 1st, the Yankees were playing the A's. They had walked the A's off um, the day before. DJ LeMahieu hit a homer off of Lou Trevino. Um, the next day, the Yankees are down 4 nothing going into the bottom of the 8th. They tie the game again off Trevino. Uh, the A's bring in Liam Hendricks, uh, or... They begin to rally against Trevino. The A's bring in Hendricks. Uh, Didi ties the game with a two-run single. Um, Adovino, Adovino pitches a scoreless ninth. And in the bottom of the ninth, Brett Gardner and Mike Ford uh, go back-to-back uh, solo homers to win the game for the Yankees. Uh, Mike Ford, unfortunately for me, pinch hitting for Clint Frazier in that spot. But that was that was just a cool game to attend, you know, at that point, my winning streak of the Yankees in games I've attended was not quite as long as it is today. But, uh, you know, to see them going 
down four runs into the bottom of the eighth and and pulling it out in regulation was definitely pretty cool. An important building block on the way that the streak that we're all in awe of today. Exactly. Uh, Anything else on 2019? No, but I I think as a whole, 2019 had some pretty good games. Maybe not the best on this list, but you just never knew it was going to happen because that juice ball. And it might, you know, we all agree it was a very fun year. It might be the strongest year on the list. Uh, So I think there's a very clear number two pick. Um, And that is April 28th, 2017. Yeah, agreed. Uh, It was was a Friday night. Um, I remember I was in my dorm um, watching the game. And the Yankees were down 9-1 to the Orioles. And, uh, you know, Mark Trumbo had just hit a grand slam off Brian Mitchell. This was, I think, before Brian Mitchell even uh, started playing first base a little bit, which is what I really consider his downfall. Um, So the Yankees go down 9-1. I remember uh, Therese was there. My friend Ryan was there. We're just, you know, hanging out. We had the game on in the background. And then they slowly start chipping away. It's, you know, 9-2 on a DD ground out, then 9-4 on a judge home run, which was uh, his second of the game. Um, And then Mitchell goes back out, gives up two more runs. It's like, oh, man, now it's 11-4. And then in the bottom of the seventh, with the Yankees down 11-4 and one out, Jacoby Ellsbury in what was maybe his last great Yankee moment or only great Yankee moment comes up, hits his hundredth career home run, which is a grand slam and it changes everything. So now it's 11 to eight. Uh, interesting tidbit. Jacoby Ellsbury's hundredth career home run was a grand slam. Brett Gardner's hundredth career home run, which I believe came in the same season was also a grand slam. Just kind of a weird thing about that year. Uh, do you know who gave up that Jacoby Ellsbury grand slam? Uh, I do not. It was former Yankee Vidal Nuno. Vidal Nuno. That's a remember some guy. It sure is. Uh, and Kevin Gossman started that game for the, (laughs) for the Orioles. So, I mean, it's like, there's some weird stuff, uh, about the, the rosters in this game. So Yankees are down, uh, 11-8. Um, Tyler Clippard shuts out the Orioles in, uh, the ninth after a scoreless eighth from Jonathan Holder. And in the bottom of the ninth, the Yankees just get it going against uh, Brad Brock, who was, you know, at the time, a a very good reliever. Uh, He walked Chase Headley, Matt Holliday singled, Ellsbury uh, had an RBI fielder's choice. So I guess not an RBI, but a run scoring fielder's choice. Um, Starlin Castro then hits an iconic mm-hmm. two-run home run, goes down to one knee, into the bleachers and left, ties the game at 11, and then it was, you know, it was basically over at that point. The Yankees, uh, they pitched around Aaron Judge uh, and then got Greg Bird to strike out, but Chapman pitched a scoreless, uh, a scoreless 10th inning, just an infield single to Mark Trumbo, which is a, a weird outcome in a baseball game and then uh with 
two on and one out in the bottom of the 10th. Matt Holliday hits a walk-off three-run home run. I remember my friend Ryan, who's a Phillies fan, uh, when Holiday hit the ball, he was just furious. He was like, you know, this kind of stuff only happens to the Yankees. <laughs> like, these fans are so spoiled. Um, and And it was just great because, like, you know, for a team that, I remember talking to you in April 2017 about how, like, it didn't make any sense that the Yankees had a role this Chapman. Like, this team isn't going to be good. Why are they spending all this money on a closer? Um, you know, this is still a rebuilding year. This doesn't make any sense. Um, and yet, uh, like, by the end of this game, I think the Yankees were 14-7, and seven, and they were, like, you know, on their way to a very good start and a very good season. And... Uh, you know, it was games like this that I think kind of uh, like that that I think about when I remember that year, whether it's this game, whether it's the game where uh, Holiday went yard off Kimbrell at Fenway right after the announcers got done talking about how long it had been since a righty had homered off Kimbrell. Um, you know, you had all these just kind of dramatic, crazy games that were really emblematic of that 2017 team. And, you know, none crazier than this one. This to this day is, you know, one of the handful of craziest baseball games I've ever seen. Yeah, I mean, this was what I would have taken if I had the number two pick and you took what I had taken at number one. Yeah. Uh, so I was also in my dorm room. Um, I was actually because we had our, our spring concert the next day and I was like preparing i was like all right i'm gonna have a long day you know i'm just gonna watch a little was bit of that the game. year that uh t-pain was your yes. spring concert uh, well the year that he canceled because yeah he yeah to go to his son's birthday party yes that was and the then year. it ended up being like third eye blind or something or was that just a different year no that was a different year it was it was okay. somebody you wouldn't i mean you might know sure. but nobody notable yeah. but anyway i was like okay i'm gonna get some you know get some sleep like gonna be sure. a, a chill night in before I have to get up early and drink tomorrow. And I was watching the game with a friend and, you know, they went down. And I'm like, you know what? Like, it's not like, let's just go to bed or let's just call it. And I was sitting on my bed. I'm like, all right, I'll keep watching. Ellsbury hits the grand slam. I'm like, okay, like I should just, you know, yeah. keep my eye on this. And by the time Castro homered, I was like on the phone with my dad. I was like dancing around my dorm room. <laughs> I was so excited. And it was probably the most excited i've been watching a yankees game alone just because like of the situation sure. like usually you're watching with other people and like that specific situation i was in my own dorm room by myself like i was in a single that year and i was just having the time of my life like you said that game and that you know that month really was like a turning point for that team yeah. i think the orioles had made the playoffs you know three of the past five years and the yankees just didn't have that success i mean they were it, at that time, the Orioles were the one of the teams to beat, at least maybe not the team, but for sure it was one of the, the teams that the Yankees needed to get past. And I remember at the beginning when Machado hit that long home run off CC, um, that yep. like hit, I think it hit the, um, the, whatever they called center field. Um, what's the like Mohegan sun or they used to call it the Mohegan sun, um, clubhouse but anyway it was a long long home run to Sarafield. it kind of seemed like okay same old same old but yep. this was really a turning point for that team you know a Absolutely. lot of great remember some guys the fact that Matt Holiday had these moments in like two productive yep. months as a Yankee and just a really fun game um again the Orioles didn't even make the playoffs that year but so in the long run this game didn't matter that much but for that in that moment it seemed like this was a huge turning point it was I mean 
if you look at the team now. So definitely the solid number two pick for sure. Yeah, I uh, I'm I'm very happy with that pick. Honestly, uh, I I think there's an argument that can be made for taking that game first. Um, I wouldn't have done it, but I would have. I th- I think I I could have respected someone it's, who did. It's the only one where I probably would hear that argument. Yeah, I agree. Um, and for other 2017 games, um, this year I think has some great playoff games like the wild card game sure. and game four, of the ALCS, and even some of the ALDS games. Like I'm not sure they would have made the top of my list, but this was the year where I found the playoff games were really really exciting. And then two other ones, um, the I think that weekend at Wrigley, yeah, um, absolutely, really really stuck out to me. The um, the Gardner home run in the ninth, um, and then the extra inning game yep. on the Sunday night baseball. Um, those were the other ones that kind of came to mind. Yeah, I don't beyond those in the playoff games. I don't have any any others to add. Cool. Okay. So should I get my my second pick? You are next. Or is this? Is this? I don't think we discussed. Is this a snake draft or is it a back and forth? Um, I hmm. Maybe should it be a snake? I mean, in in fairness, it should be. Okay, um, then I'm happy to take I'll, the third pick. Yeah, I'll, I'll give it to you. And I'll be honest, there's really only one more game on my list that I really care about personally being able to take. Um, then this is good for you. Then this is this. Oh, were you gonna take this game? <laughs> well, what year is it from? It's from 2018. Okay, no, I knew you were going to take this game, and I actually did not even make notes on it, even though it's probably the game I would have picked. So I'm happy to to give you the floor on this. Okay, so uh, it was May 29th, 2018. Um, I had gotten back from my semester in Spain a few weeks earlier, and um, I met up with some of my friends from school at Yankee Stadium to see the Yankees play the, at the time, we didn't know, illegitimate World Series defending champion Houston Astros. And um, like many games that I have on my list, it was started by CeCe Sabathia. And uh, unlike many games that I had on my list, the Yankees took an early lead. So uh, facing Charlie Morton, who, as we all know, always shuts down the Yankees. Brett Gardner went yard uh, as the first Yankee batter of the game. Uh, But that wasn't the first notable thing that happened. Um, With runners on first and third and one out in the top of the first inning, uh, the Yankees turned to double play. Aaron Judge to Greg Bird on a line drive to right field by Yuli Gurriel um, where they caught Jose Altuve off of first base. So it was like it started off crazy. You have a, you know, an unconventional double play. The next play is a home run by Brett Gardner, who, you know, not really a home run guy, first of all, but then second of all, off of Charlie Morton, who was a nightmare to see uh, on the mound against the Yankees. Uh, CC then promptly gives the lead back um, on a home run to Evan Gaddis. The Yankees take the lead back and go up 2-1 uh, on a single by Glaber Torres. It stays 2-1 for a little while until future Yankee Marwin Gonzalez uh, doubles to deep center and uh, scores two to give the Astros the lead. 
than Yuli Gurriel and Evan Gaddis combined to put the Astros up 5-2 after 5. Uh, another leadoff batter takes advantage of Charlie Morton in the bottom of the fifth, and I got to see Aaron Judge Homer in person for the first time. Uh, so that was that made it 5-3, and it stayed 5-3 until the bottom of the ninth. So uh, the Yankees were facing Chris Davinsky at that point, Chris Davinsky was a menace uh, for a couple years there. And he walked to Miguel Andujar, which, like, let's be very clear about something. It is almost impossible to walk Miguel Andujar. Like, that guy swings at everything. And leading off the ninth, he walked. Uh, Davinsky then struck out Glaber. And then there's that Brett Gardner guy again. Home run in the first inning. Game-tying home run in the ninth. And at this point, it looks like the Yankees were going to win the game right here. Because uh, Judge comes up as the next batter, doubles, uh, and then after a Greg Bird strikeout, Stanton gets an infield single, uh, so the Yankees have first and third and two outs, um, but then uh, Gary struck out to end the inning. And then extra innings, I mean, we could have not talked about anything else in this game. Extra innings, crazy enough. So we have Aroldis Chapman come in, and he looks good. To start, So he gets Marwin Gonzalez to ground out and then strikes out Max Stassi. So now there are two outs and Tony Kemp is up. You can't be walking Tony Kemp, uh, but of course that's exactly what Chapman does. And then with George Springer up, Chapman throws multiple wild pitches. On the first wild pitch, Tony Kemp advances to second base. On the second wild pitch, Chapman fires a fastball over Gary's glove. It hits the top of the uh, padded part of the backstop where the padded part meets the net and bounces directly back to Gary, who fires the ball to Andujar at third, who tags out Tony Kemp, and it's the craziest play I've ever seen live. It probably will forever be the craziest play I've ever seen live. I don't know how it happened. I went nuts seeing it in person. Uh... And then at that point, especially given that the Astros, uh, the best they could do was bring in Brad Peacock in the bottom of the 10th, you knew it was over. Although the first two guys got out, Didi Gregorius and Aaron Hicks, uh, and Duhar, who had already been uh, kind of a hero of that game in a couple plays himself, doubled and Glaber singled him in. So the rookies with back-to-back base hits won the Yankees the game 6-5, to five, but... I mean, you know, getting to see two home runs from Gardner, a game-tying home run in the ninth, an Aaron Judge home run, the craziest play I've ever seen on the wild pitch, bouncing back to Gary and catching Kemp at third, uh, and then a walk-off by the rookies, uh, especially against a team that with which the Yankees had kind of a budding rivalry at the time. Just an unbelievable game. Yeah, when I was doing my 2018 list, I, I quickly realized that that was both the best game of the list and the one you would probably talk about. But um, yes, I, I actually don't even, I mean, it's one of the games on this list where I unfortunately don't even remember watching it live. Um, wow, I, that's disappointing. I had a, yeah, I know. Right. Like that's, that's the sad part when you don't watch a game live and it's like such a good game and you kind of like, everyone's talking about it and you're like, it's like, you know, you didn't go to the party and everyone it's like, yeah. talk about what a good time they had. 
and you just stand there like, oh yeah, like that was really fun. Um, <laughs> but cla- yeah, 2018, um, it, it had some good games. This definitely was the best given, you know, the Yankees and the Astros betting rivalry. And that play, like you said, was absolutely insane to, you know, to go from, I think some of the best Yankees games have actually been when a Chapman is about to blow it and then doesn't blow it. And you're just like both yeah. shocked and like, it's it's very exhilarating, which is, you know, says a lot about a Chapman in many directions. Um, sure. But, you know, you had a Glaber Torres walk off single. You had multiple Gardner home runs, um, just adding to the list of great Yankees Astros games. And you got to see it live. So I don't I don't really have much more about that game. But other than the comment, you, you've seen some good games live. Uh, the question is this the best game you have seen live? Do you think this is better than the 2019 one you described or any other ones? Ooh, I I think it's tough to beat. Um, you know, I've seen some crazy stuff live, definitely. Um, I went to a, a Yankees Red Sox game at Fenway when I was a little kid, in which Jorge Posada tripled. Like that alone is a, a unique thing. Um, I was at the A Rod walk off home run against Atlanta game uh, a long, long time ago. Um. This one's tough to beat, though. I mean, it it had everything. It had, you know, the multiple Gardner home runs, the Judge home run, the crazy defensive play, the Aroldis Chapman almost blowing it, the the walk-off, like, uh, the rivalry. Like, it, it, was, it was the total package in a lot of ways. Yeah. No, I think it's a great game for it to be your number one. Um, yeah. My, yeah, my number one game I'll probably mention a bit later. I don't think it's going to make this list, but it's definitely in consideration. The, I think I know which one it is. <laughs> I it it was not my pick for that year. I think my my yeah. second best game would be the Glaber Torres 2019 game that I discussed. Yeah, and the Glaber Torres walk off home game home run game would probably be up there too. But that was that was more of a pitcher's duel than a, an actually mm-hmm. wild game. Um, but yeah, I I can take the next pick. Um, Any other games worth mentioning? Oh yeah, from- for sure. 2018 i mean there were the the two walk-offs against cleveland for sure mm-hmm. um the and duhar off cody allen and then the glaber home run after the neil walker double um there was the the stanton walk-off against seattle which was kind of like his first big moment as a yankee um those are those are a couple that stuck out to me, certainly. Yeah, I think if I was doing this list and my first inclination would probably be to do the Stanton walk off home run game. Mm-hmm. Um another one that I remembered watching and it would probably, you know, round out my top three from that year was the comeback against the White Sox in August and the Neil Walker sure. walk off home run. Um that sure. was a, a very good game. But yeah, I think Stanton's home run, maybe Glaber's walk off and Although that was kind of a blown lead game, it's not so much a yep. back and forth. And, and then the the Houston game, um, those would be my my top group. Um, but you can't go wrong there. That all that all works for me. Um, all right, you have the floor for the next two picks. All right, so I guess it doesn't really matter what order I'll do these, but both of them are against Tampa, and I'm gonna start with the most recent one and. 2022 was a great year for Yankees games. I mean, I can't say that enough. Like, we're talking about best years in general. And I I think 2019 was good. 2017 was good. 2022, like, there was probably five games that I would consider for my pick. And I wanted to make sure I could nab one of them. For me, it came down to the two ultimate walk-off Grand Slam games. But 
I, the Donaldson walk-off Grand Slam edged out the Stanton walk-off Grand Slam. And mm-hmm. again, this is like unfair to both of those games, to the Stanton game, because, you know, that in any other year, I think that would have been the runaway best. But sure. the Donaldson walk-off home run game, I think, was more of an exciting game. I mean, given where the Yankees were in the standings, definitely. But this game, this draft is about the games, not about the the pennant race or anything. And in this game, Domingo Herman, as, as he was for my other pick, uh, started definitely in a little bit of a different situation than he was in 2019. I don't think that um, every time he takes the mound, the Yankees win the game applied <laughs> as much or if at all. But actually, he did have a subtly you know good end to the year. So um, this game wasn't wasn't his best pitching, but it wasn't you know it it was it was okay. Um, it was it wasn't great, but it was it was pretty average. He he sent the Yankees down um three nothing so he made it he didn't make it through five he gave up three runs the Yankees couldn't score though so it really didn't matter what Herman was doing I mean we all remember how much the Yankees struggled to score so after a a few Yandy Diaz doubles um they the Rays had a three nothing lead and the Harold Ramirez Homer Duff Licky so the the Rays had a four nothing lead I'm not going to go you know too much in the details because we all remember this it happened relatively recently but I just thought the best parts of this game were, you know, the the comeback when and I guess the the situation kind of does matter because I think a comeback in 2019 would have been impressive, but it wouldn't have been out of the ordinary. But as we all remember, the Yankees could not score runs here. And so when you're facing Corey Kluber heading into the sixth inning down four nothing, like it seemed like it was over given what had happened in the first few games of the series. And then Glaber homers in a really tough month for him. So you started to see a, a few signs of life. And then Anthony or Aaron Judge gets his, his bases loaded walk. But the Anthony Rizzo game-tying home run, I, like the, the walk-off Grand Slam was great. But that game-tying home run, I think, was the first time in a few weeks we had felt that the Yankees, you know, something they had actually come back from a deficit. Feel like felt like they were back in this game. And, you know, Rizzo was one of the few players during this stretch that really was consistent and was not slumping to the love of everyone else. So a huge home run in the bottom of the eighth off Brooks Raley. So the Yankees have tied this game. You send it to Chapman in extra innings. And, you know, Efros pitches an inning and Chapman comes in. And that's when disaster strikes. And I remember watching this. I was watching this with my roommate. And it you, we could tell Chapman did not look good. Nope. And what I said was... You know, Chapman's going to do something that makes Boone think that he should be in the game. And we talked about this on the pod. So, again, it, it's not hard for everyone to remember this feeling. But I just specifically remember, that, you know, saying Chapman's going to do something that makes Boone think that he should be in the game based on the results. But, you know, clearly he does not have his best stuff. Yep. He should be pulled preemptively. And that's exactly what happened. I mean, Chapman walked uh, Isaac Paredes and Taylor Walls and then struck out Jose Siri. And facing Francisco Mejia, he should have been out of that game. Unfortunately, we all know what happened next. Mejia hit a double, three runs scored, and it just felt like insult, you know, adding insult to injury. Yankees down three runs in extra innings. And it would take a miracle to win this game. And <laughs> Jalen Beeks was intent on delivering them that miracle because Josh Donaldson hitting an ultimate grand slam, which for anyone who doesn't know, it's when you're down by three runs and you hit a grand slam to win the game. And that outcome, I think, was probably more surprising than the Stanton slam because sure. at that point in the Pirates game, the Yankees clearly had momentum, and it almost felt more inevitable. 
I don't think this felt like there was any chance in hell it was going to happen. No. And we all remember, you know, the, the Donaldson and Glaber hugging picture. Like, I think the Yankees were ecstatic, probably more relieved. But in terms of the most unlikeliest outcomes of this season, um, I think there are two specific moments that stand out. The Aaron Hicks three-run home run against Houston to tie the game. And then this Josh Donaldson walk-off grand slam. Um, maybe Aaron Judge hitting 62 home runs like in the aggregate mm-hmm. being an unlikely situation. But those two moments, and I think this game was wilder than the Hicks uh, walk-off or game-tying home run, Aaron Judge walk-off hit game. And I think it was wilder than the Stanton Grand Slam game. It was truly one of the most surprising moments in a season of, of really fun Yankees games. So... I'm definitely really happy to take this as my second pick. Yeah, I mean, that was that was an unbelievable game. So for that game, I uh, I was in New Orleans uh, in a hotel. I had flown into New Orleans um, early for my friend's bachelor party uh, because I had to present in a board meeting the next day and... My original flight was scheduled to be during the board meeting. So I was in New Orleans. I was in this hotel watching the game uh, just like on my computer or my iPad or something. And I watched, you know, Chapman blow it. I think like, first of all, you got to get Francisco Mejia out. But it was so obvious that he wasn't going to. Um, and then, you know, they re- they really made a mess of that. Uh, but. The way that they just struck immediately in the bottom of the 10th with single walk. Okay, game over. Um, it, it was just really very impressive, completely crazy. And you're right. Like, there are a ton of crazy games from 2022. And, of course, we remember them better than we remember any other season, just given the proximity. But you had this game. You had the Pittsburgh game. You had the Houston game. You had... Um, the Judge Jordan Romano walk-off. You had the IKF game in Boston. There plenty, plenty to choose from. Uh, and this was just really, you know, about as crazy as it gets, especially in the context of the season, how poorly the Yankees were playing at that time to get that win, to, you know, preserve some breathing room in the division. Like, it was extremely significant. And also just ridiculous uh, in the way that it played out. Yeah, just some other ones to shout out. I think the Houston games is probably more appropriate because I would say the second game. I mean, what a weekend that was with the no hitter and both walk offs. And I think the second game was probably crazier because, you know, the Yankees not having a hit until the seventh inning and coming back Mm -hmm. the way that they did. Um, But yeah, just a season of great games. And the judge, actually the judge walk off home run. Uh, by WPA, that's actually the single biggest hit. So that might have been the craziest game, but that probably was that? one of the craziest outcomes. Um, and that was, you know, just as the 2017 Yankees took that comeback against the Orioles as like a stepping off point, I think the judge walk-off home run was the the moment that this team kind of really announced itself. So it, that might be my favorite moment of the season. I mean, there's just so many to choose from. One One other one that actually came to mind probably would not make this top list, but... Um, I just remember the the Minnesota walk off in um, September Cabrera's walk off the Cabrera mostly yeah. for uh, you know the, um, the bases loaded no one out situation that um, 
mm-hmm. that they so quickly blew the inning before. And that was also just a really tense game. That day was pretty crazy given IKF hit a grand slam in the second game. So uh, <laughs> yeah. there were some really, really fun, fun games in this season. Um, and it, like it's fun by, you know, any season, but like fun as, you know, most some of the most fun I've ever watched as a Yankees fan. Um, Absolutely. So I can move on to 20 uh, or 20, my next game. Um, yep. If you unless you have anything else to add. Nope. OK, so another Yankees Rays game and. I had to pick this season, as I was saying to you, I have the 2012 beat, but I also have the 2015 beat. I really like the 2015 team. As you kind of have the 2016 and 2018 beats, I gravitate towards the 2015 team a lot. It was kind of like an isolated um, season in the middle of a stretch of mediocrity. Yeah, it was weird. It was really weird. And at the outcome, like if you look at the results from 2013 to 2016, the, the, the results weren't that different. The Yankees won nope. 85 games, 84 games, and then 87 games snuck into that first wild card spot, and then 80, um, 84 games in 2016. But the story doesn't really like that, that. That doesn't really tell the whole story because that 2015 team was a resurgent Yankees team for the first two thirds of the season, and then they were in it until late. They led the division until late. I mean, this was like they were not pretenders. They just tanked really, really hard. Um, and the Blue Jays got really good really quickly and a very unfortunate yeah, They finish. spent 85 days in first place um, in 2015, and their last day in first place was August 24th. Like, incredible and, the way that that all went down. I know we both reflect on the, the David Price... Uh, acquisition as yeah pretty pivotal but like even still almost a month after the trade deadline the Yankees were still in first place and they had built up a huge lead I mean this was like yeah. almost a 10 game lead I mean Price and Tulowitzki joining that Blue Jays team that really was like the, I mean that team was already good and they kind of found themselves and really beat up on the Yankees um down the stretch mm-hmm. but at this point in the season the Yankees were still you know they're riding high. We had resurgent A-Rod. We had resurgent Teixeira. We had the 2014 editions of, um, I mean, even Ellsbury wasn't in that bad of a position at that point. You had Carlos Beltran, who was now coming around from a slow start to his Yankees career. Brian McCann, um, you know, this uh, Luis Severino made his debut for this team. Like, this yep. was a fun team that crashed really hard. And I, you know, I gravitate towards the flawed Yankees teams, like 2012, 2015. The teams that were good may be flawed, but, like, they were super fun. Um, this game sticks out to me the most, and it was it was the beginning of July 4th weekend. Um, yeah, I, I knew it was good to be Yeah, nice. the beginning of July 4th weekend, Yankees raise. Um, you had Masahiro Tanaka pitching, so, again, another point. Oh, yeah. You actually are not picking the game I thought you were picking. Oh, you're picking the other. Okay, so there were actually two good games that weekend. This is the back to back. Yeah, I thought you were gonna pick the one started by Chris Capuano. No, this was. I I think this was the more fun game, but we can clear out, and you can you can make your case for the other one at the end. Um, no, I, not at all. Go ahead. So Masahiro Tanaka versus Chris Archer, classic Yankees Rays mid 2010s. Um. And the Rays took a lead early off Tanaka. Um, they took a th- two nothing lead off a Rene Rivera sack fly. Or sorry, they uh, that was a three the three nothing lead off a Rene Rivera sack fly. They took a first inning lead off a Longoria double off a James Loney sack fly. So it's classic mid you know 
uh, the mid-decade uh, Rays. Uh, you know, James Loney. You had Asdrubal Cabrera. Just the classic Remember Some Guys team. Grady Sizemore playing for Wait, the Rays at that mind. point. Are you, are you never okay? Mind. This this is the same game. Okay, Chris Capuano pitched in relief, but because I, yeah. I know this there was the two game. walk-offs that weekend, but I was like, I, I yeah, was pretty sure Pineda started the yeah Pineda started the. I was like, I was, yeah, no, we're talking about we're talking about the same okay. game. This is the better cool, game. Cool, cool. <laughs> um, so three nothing Rays. It goes that way into the eighth, and I remember it was beginning of July Fourth weekend. It was before yeah you know, I was getting ready to go to college, so I was in a few months. Um, just trying to enjoy the last grasps of childhood settled down for some classic Yankees baseball and you know the Rays are leading into the eighth and not a very fun game until Kevin Jepsen comes in and <laughs> Gardner strikes out to start that again like I just love looking at the pitchers from these games you know you have Jake McGee's McGee is on the Rays you have Archer back with the Rays Kevin Jepsen yep. Brandon Gomes would would come into this game Brad Boxberger but so Gardner strikes out then Headley and A-Rod back-to-back singles and then Teixeira hits a game-tying three-run home run which at this point you know it's hard to remember the ups and downs of a season that you're not right in but like we felt really good about the 2022 Yankees coming back from games um, from deficits like it kind of felt the same way with this 2015 team it was a bunch of guys coming together you know no superstar but it felt like something was just clicking and the resurgent Teixeira hitting a home run um, it, it was a really really exciting moment so sending it to the ninth, and Batances keeps it scoreless. You have Brandon Gomes coming in, again, keeping it scoreless. Top of the 10th, bottom of the 10th, scoreless baseball. So, you know, extra innings pre-Ghost Runner rule. So these games, you know, could go on for hours. Your 11th, scoreless. Steve Geltz pitching for the Rays, and I, I have to admit, I don't remember who that is. So, you know, that shows you, again, the Rays um, have not faded from their plug-and-play bullpen um, strategy. Adam Warren pitched the 11th, and now the the, the game in the 10th and the 12th. Sorry, um, this is when the the cracks start to show. Uh, Warren lo- walks Logan Forsythe, and then Brandon Geyer bunts him over. Jason Shreve comes in to pitch, and yeah. Jason Shreve, who I'm pretty sure didn't he resign like a minor league deal this year, but not pitch for the Yankees. Uh, I think so. Okay, so this was Boone Logan 2.0, but not as good and hated by a lot of Yankees fans. I think. Um, walks as Drew Bell Cabrera, Kiermaier single, Rene Rivera single. So it's five to three in the 12th. And this ended up being my favorite genre of baseball because the game I picked before it was um, the same type of game. When the home team can walk off a multi-run deficit in extra innings. And that's what mm-hmm. happened here. Gardner walked, Hadley struck out, A-Rod singled, Teixeira hits a game-tying single. And then the iconic Brian McCann that's fireworks walk off home run. Yep. Um, as there were, I think there were fireworks going off right in the distance. So Michael K, you know, in his classic um, looping in what's going on around in that moment into a cheesy corny home run call that somehow sticks with you for eight years. Uh, it, it was a great start to the 4th of July weekend. It was a great continuation of what this team was at that point. And to and McCann were really essential parts of that 2015 team. And again, like I said, just the one of the most fun baseball outcomes is walking off uh, a multi-run deficit in extra innings because it feels so hopeless. And, you know, extra innings are really fun when you're at home. Anything can happen. Any hit could be the walk-off. Uh, you know, it, it could be the walk-off hit. Any player could be the walk-off hero. And when you go down by extras and multi-, or multi... Sorry, when you go down by multiple runs in extra innings, it feels like 
such a, a deflated sense of defeat that, you know, you were meant to kind of have this win as a team and you didn't secure it. And then that comeback feeling is just un, unmatched, in my opinion. So there were a lot of fun games in 2015, maybe not as many as the other years, but this is one of the most fun games. And, and just remembering watching that really, uh, that, that clicks as, as one of the defining memories of the 2015 team before they crashed and burned in a really horrific manner. Yeah, no, that was that was an incredible game. Um, it was the one that I had on my list. It's arguably made better by the fact that they walked the Rays off again the next day. Uh, do you think you know who had the walk-off plate appearance the next day? Uh, wait, because I was looking at this. Is it Ramon Flores? It's Ramon Flores. I only know that because I was looking at it, so kind of unfair, but yeah. Ramon Flores. I have to be I have to be honest. I have no recollection of anyone named Ramon Flores playing baseball for the New York Yankees. And we've established like 2013 partially, but 14 and 15 really were kind of my dark ages with the Yankees pre-Gary. Um and I like you could have given me a million years and I never could have told you uh, Ramon Flores. But we are very much in the era in in 2015 of the incredible. Remember some guys games like, you know, you had Nick Rumbelo and uh, Chris Capuano and all these like essential. Remember some guys guys uh, appearing in that game. So. Uh, very good pick. It was the one I had for 2015 as well. Uh, I don't know where else I would have gone with it. So there is actually one other game I want to talk about in a slight bit of detail because it's the only game I want to talk about that was actually a loss. And you might remember this game even though you were in the dark ages because this was a really memorable game. Again, even though the Yankees lost, this game sticks out in my memory. It was the 19-inning game against Boston in April. Do you remember that game? 19-inning game... Oh, <laughs> yeah. The Ezreal Rogers. Rogers uh, yeah. This is, you want to talk a about. It was game. Uh, you want to talk about remember some guys' games. Look at who pitched for the Red Sox in that game. I mean, look who played for both teams, but like Wade Miley, Alexio Gondo, Junichi Tazawa, Edward Mujica, Tommy Lane for the Red Sox, Craig Breslow, Stephen Wright. I mean, this is insane. Mm -hmm. And uh, I mean, Evaldi starting for the Yankees. The the mem the memories yeah. of this game. Um, I just remember going. At, I think I'm in mean, classic high school. I think we were going out bowling. So watching sure. it with friends, going out bowling, having a whole night out, coming back, and then like staying up for like another three hours watching and. This game was yeah. it was really good. Like the Yankees had won this game, it a hundred percent would have been my pick. We had that because it was a very back and forth game. The Headley game tying home run in the ninth, and then you have a lot of scoreless baseball until you get to Esmeel Rogers, who was the last guy in the bullpen, just being hung out to dry. Yep. And inexplicably, the Yankees kept coming back. Teixeira had the game tying home run off Stephen Wright, and then Rogers blew the lead in the eighteenth, and then Beltran had an RBI double. And then Rodgers blew the lead in the yep. 19th and they could not come back. But that like it just sticks out in my mind. I really wish they had won because, I mean, that game was almost seven hours. And, we, you know, it yeah. was the fourth game of the year. Nobody really knew 
what the season was going to be like, if it was going to be good or bad, but yeah, what, what a wild, wild game. Um, that that's my honorable mention. Yeah. That's a great, a great pick. I'm, I could not tell you what I was doing on April 10th, 2015. Um, but I I, I mean, I'm aware of this game. I don't feel like I watched it live. Um, but, yeah, you got some great names in that game, too, taking PAs for the Yankees. Uh, Garrett Jones grounding into a double play to make the last out. Steven Drew in that game. I mean, it's it really is peak remember some guys. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, see, this is why it's a great podcast. We we plug in the holes in each other's Yankees knowledge, and we have the exactly. big picture here. So that, yeah, I'm the 2015 guy, and, you know, you're the 2018 guy, and that's, you know, as a unit, we've re- watched every single game in the history of Yankees baseball in the last decade, probably. Exactly. All right, so I have two picks. Mm-hmm. Okay, so with the sixth overall pick, I believe this is, I'm going with what I think of as, like, one of the most exciting Yankee games, one of the most uh, kind of emotional regular season Yankee games for those mediocre teams after 2012 and before 2017. And that is... uh, August 18th, 2013, uh, in Boston on Sunday Night Baseball. So, Whipple, let's try to transport ourselves back in time to um, the summer of 2013. So, we had just finished our sophomore year of high school. We're about to start our junior year of high school. And um, a couple weeks earlier, A-Rod had come back from his hip injury but it had also been announced that he was going to be suspended 211 games. He then appealed his suspension and got to play the final 44 games of the 2013 season. So the Yankees are in Boston. It's their first series in Boston uh, since this A-Rod business all took place, but it's the last game of that series. So, you know, in theory, The Red Sox have had all the time in the world to, you know, mess with A-Rod and send a message if that's what they're trying to do. And uh, they didn't really, as far as I could remember, until Sunday night. Uh, And I'm sure you remember this very well. um, In the top of the second inning, to lead off the second inning, uh, Ryan Dempster threw at A-Rod multiple times He did not hit him the first time, so he threw at him again. Um, And the Yankees were down 2-0 at this point. They ended up tying the game in that inning because the Red Sox just wanted to give away outs in that game. Uh, Girardi got thrown out yelling about how Ryan Dempster hadn't been thrown out. There were all the, you know, you're a cheater chants at A-Rod for the biogenesis stuff, whatever. Um, (laughs) You know, meanwhile, these people were actively cheering for... David Ortiz, uh, I can't imagine Johnny Gomes was completely innocent. Um, I mean, I won't go through the entire Red Sox roster and talk about the likely accurate uh, steroid connections that existed, but uh, just some irony there. Um, So in A-Rod's first plate appearance, he gets hit. In his second plate appearance, he 
uh, grounds out and drives in a run to give the Yankees the lead. And then CeCe Sabathia, it feels like every game I picked was started by CeCe Sabathia, um, gives up the lead. The Yankees go down 5-3 to three, um, thanks to contributions by some really random guys, uh, not only the steroid user David Ortiz, but Will Middlebrooks and Daniel Nava. Um, with the Yankees down 6-3, in the top of the sixth, A-Rod comes up against Dempster, takes him yard, takes the slowest home run trot I think we've ever seen, basically walks the last 45 feet, spends like 30 seconds at home plate uh, celebrating, uh, just as he should have, because mm-hmm. Dempster deserved to be shown up in that situation. Um, a few batters later, Brett Gardner hits a bases-clearing triple off of Drake Britton, which I think was like one of the potentially the most excited I was about any moment between 2013 and Gary Sanchez. Um, I just remember feeling like, you know, a lot of people say about the recent Yankees teams that like their enemies always defeat them. Like, you know, they chant FL Tuve and then he, you know, hits a home run or like they, you know, whoever they make their enemy, they gave up a home run to Tim Anderson at some point this year, like whatever it is, whoever they make their enemy, that guy defeats them. Well, this felt like the opposite. It felt like the Red Sox had made an enemy of the wrong team. And, um, you know, Gardner hits this bases clearing triple. I'm like celebrating in my living room. This is a, you know, a late Sunday night game. Uh, of course it's the Yankees Red Sox game. So it goes four hours And, um, you know, that was when the Sunday night game still started at eight. The Yankees tack on a few insurance runs later, but uh, ultimately win it nine six. It was a back and forth game. It was, you know, an A-Rod special uh, and they really just stuck it to the Red Sox at a time when the Red Sox wanted to be all high and mighty and uh, felt great. Yeah, it's so actually it's funny Um, before I just briefly talk about this game. I'm pretty sure we have picked or, or whoever has drafted the other person would have drafted that game because this was my game too and it so we're six for I six I think we're six for six because I would have taken the Houston game I would have taken yeah. this game and would you have taken I guess 2022 would you have taken the Donaldson game I had I had two games listed for 2022 I was basically going to flip a coin once I got there so I say we count it okay and yeah I mean everything else so yeah that, it's been We'll see if this continues, but a funny quirk so far. But uh, yeah, this was one of the, the, I think, the best moments of that stretch for sure. I mean, it was one of the moments, you know, rare moments where baseball is in the national spotlight. Like everybody knew about this game was talking about Monday morning. And that moment, you know, the the Gardner triple is great, but the A-Rod hitting the home run off Dempster, I think, was just such a cathartic moment. And Girardi's ejection, I mean, you know, Joe Girardi gets a lot of criticism, but you can never say he wasn't a player's manager. I mean, he was so fired up about that. And that will always be the, you know, the image that sticks out in my mind of him going out immediately after A-Rod gets hit. Yeah. Just screaming his head off. and Veins popping out of his face. Like, uh-huh. yeah. I mean, Girardi was a World Series manager and he, you know, managed a really fun 2017 team. And that might be the thing, you know, the moment I remember from him the most. Potentially, yeah. And it was a great game, too. I mean, again, you have some great remember some guys, especially the tack-on runs from Mark Chris Reynolds Stewart. and Chris Stewart. Yeah. yeah. Um, 
and you know Dempster just being an a hole and mm-hmm. getting his comeuppance. Um, I couldn't have picked a better game. Um, probably yeah, one of the better, if not the best, Yankees Red Sox games. Um, of the last decade. Um, the other game I just want to shout out, as you, you might have yep. figured out, um, I don't think this was good enough to top that game, but you know, you talked about a few games you remembered that you had been to, and this might be my favorite game that I've been to. It was um, late, late July. Um, Alfonso Soriano was back on the Yankees. Jeter was coming back from injury, and it was Hideki Matsui retirement ceremony day. Um, as frequent podcast listener, Matt Harris um, was also there. Yep. And I witnessed uh, probably, I would say you said the Gary home or play where it bounced off was the craziest, best thing you saw. I would say the craziest thing that I saw was Jeter coming back from injury, hitting the first pitch for a home run. Yeah. Um, I've said repeatedly, like, that is probably the loudest I've heard Yankee Stadium. And I was at game one of the World Series. And I was at, a, you know, I've been at a lot of games. And that place just got you know it it got to a certain level of loud for Derek Jeter that you weren't getting to for other people and that was just such an awesome moment Hideki Matsui coming back kind of set the tone but then you had Alfonso Soriano newly returned to the Yankees as of a few days he homered and eventually hit the walk-off single but it was still a pretty back and forth game Yankees took a three nothing lead the Rays went ahead four to three Yankees went ahead five to four Rays tied up in the fifth and then Yankees walked it off in the ninth um so on personal you know bias that definitely is my favorite game but it, you can't top the Sunday night baseball Red Sox Yankees classic, a, a time honored tradition for some really great baseball games. Yeah. I mean, just uh, you, I completely respect that, um, that acknowledgement of yours. Um, I think that that was indeed a great game. Um, and it's cool that you were there. Uh, but I agree. I think we're we've we've found the right the right game for 2013. I just before we move on from 2013, I remember. Um, so this is this is uh, a shout out that I need to give. Um, so Alden Piper during that game tweeted you know things are intense when will harris starts swearing on twitter and i'm looking at my twitter archive and maybe i deleted whatever i tweeted because i i can't find a tweet with a swear in it from that game but i'm sure i tweeted something derogatory about ryan dempster and how what he was doing was bs or something but uh I just think it's funny looking back and being like, wow, 16-year-old Will was really fired up about what was going on. Yeah, well, it's funny because in, in the arc of our Twitter history, that was around the time where we just tweeted about lots everything, and lots all of the time. stuff from yeah. our own accounts. I, I was driving back from Rhode Island with some friends, and I was watching that game at like a diner, and mm-hmm. I probably was firing off just as many tweets as you. And you then gotta. we both calmed down, and then we joined forces, and now we do the same stuff 10 years later from a joint Twitter account called Yankees Files. So Exactly. Some things. The more that changes, the you know, the more that stays the same. Hey, you know, you're, uh, you're making a good point. So I think this may be the first time that I deviate from – what's been like chalk to this what point. What year are you going to do? 
I'm picking a 2020 game. Okay. Um, we'll see. Yeah, I think there's a few games you could go here, but we'll see. So I I wanted to Oh, wait, pick... I know what game this is. Okay, yeah, you've deviated, but I totally respect it. I wanted to pick the Gary Grand Slam game. Oh, that's what I thought. That's where I thought you were going. Okay. So it's it look, it makes all the sense in the world to pick the Gary Grand Slam game, right? I mean, he uh the Yankees were playing an away game, but they were at home. It was a seven inning doubleheader, but uh so like the Gary hits the grand slam in the eighth of a one one game at home. And it's extra innings, and the Yankees take the lead, but it's not a walk-off because they're the away team, but they're wearing the home uniforms. And I went nuts when that happened. I remember I was driving to, I was driving home from Mystic, Connecticut, and uh, I was listening to it on the radio, and I heard the John Sterling call, and then I called up friend of the program, Matt Harris, and just like screamed while I was on uh, Route 9 going north. Anyway, um, the reason I could not pick that game is because, in my opinion, the craziest game of the 2020 season actually happened earlier that day. Okay, well, so we have deviated, but this was my runner-up. Okay, so the Yankees are playing a series against the Mets, a doubleheader against the Mets uh, at this time. And they're starting Michael King in game one. And things are going, like, generally fine. Like, you know, the Yankees take a one nothing lead. The Mets get it back by scoring a couple runs off of, of Michael King. And then the Yankees tie it up. And then the Mets go back ahead because Brooks Krisky gives up a home run to Robinson Cano. But still, like... It's a 4-2 game, and it's it's getting late early because it's the fifth inning, and it's only a seven-inning game because of the weird seven-inning doubleheaders. Um, but it's still, like, you know, generally fine um, until the sixth inning. So Brooks Kriske walks the bases loaded, uh, or rather, um, yeah, Brooks Kriske walks the bases loaded. There were some wild pitches mixed in there because that's the Brooks Kriske experience. And then Ben Heller comes in. Uh, ben Heller gives up a two-run double to Michael Conforto. And he then walks the bases reloaded uh, and allows Pete... Er, and then hits Pete Alonzo with a pitch. So Ben Heller and Brooks Krisky, not exactly great command in the top of the sixth inning. Uh, and then Justin Wilson shuts out the Yankees in the bottom of the sixth. So it's 7-2. to two going into the bottom of the seventh, which is the last inning of the game, and the Yankees, if they can make any noise against Jared Hughes, are going to have to see Edwin Diaz. So, like, this game is over, right? Like, they're down by five. This offense was impotent. Um, at that point, like, Tyro Estrada was in the game. Mike Talkman was in the game. Mike Ford was in the game. Jordy Mercer uh, started that game, but was re replaced by Gio Rochella. Tyler Wade was in that game. Like, Things were not looking good. Um, Mike Ford reaches on an error. Uh, and then quickly, we get to two outs. Brett Gardner lines out. Girochella flies out. And there are two outs with the Yankees still down five. We got a great Mike Ford defensive indifference. Uh, 
Then Tyler Wade walks, and Estrada gets hit by a pitch, so the Mets pay back all of the uh, ineffective uh, lack of control pitching that the Yankees uh, put on display. But even at this point, the Yankees only have a 5% uh, win probability. Luke Voigt uh, singles, drives in two runs. There's then a wild pitch by Edwin Diaz, who has come in to replace Jared Hughes, uh, with Aaron Hicks at the plate, that makes it 7-4 uh, with Tyra Estrada scoring. Hicks then goes yard, it's 7-7, uh, or sorry, the wild pitch made it 7-5. Hicks then goes yard, it's 7-7. Seven, seven. Uh, the game goes to extras, and Gio Rochella singles in the ghost runner, Mike Talkman for the Yankees to win the game. So they went from a win probability that rounds to zero, um, it, w- with two outs in the seventh inning to winning the game in the bottom of the eighth. Uh, just a ridiculous game. The fact that they came back against Edwin Diaz, the fact that they came back from five runs down, the fact that they did it all with two outs, um, completely insane. And then, you know, got crazier later in the day with them, you know, winning another game in very unlikely fashion. But uh, I, I got to give it to this game as the craziest of 2020. Yeah, I mean, this was definitely the craziest day of 2020, given those two games oh, combined. Yeah. And it's just tough from this year because it's just baseball didn't feel the same. And it was, you know, empty stadiums and so much is going on in the world. But, man, there were some great games. And this one definitely is, is you know, this one is my runner-up, as I said. And it's such a worthy runner-up. Like, like 2022, I think either of the games that I was considering would have been, you know, standout number ones in any other year. Um, Aaron Hicks finding himself in the middle of another big moment, especially like he does it exclusively sometimes against great pitchers. You know, his home run off Justin Verlander, his, his home run off of Diaz, like Aaron Hicks just has a knack for the improbable and probably the best Yankees comeback. Like statistically, I think if you look at WPA, there was no, you know, it might not be Hicks's home run might not be the single biggest hit, but those string of, you know, they were that close to losing and that string of hits and walks and everything was the, you know, probably the best comeback given the improbability of it that we've seen in the last decade. I I will say that Brooks Krisky's wildness probably, you know, makes me averse to pitching, picking this game just because I am personally scarred. If we ever did a worst games of the last decade, I think that 2021 Brooks Krisky game that Ryan Garcia immortalized and I was unfortunate enough to attend would be on there. But thankfully, this one did not have that bad of an outcome. Um, just a really a great game in you know a weird season and yep. especially sweet to do it against the Mets. I'm kind of shocked you didn't pick the Gary game. I had a list of three here and I acknowledged Gary was number three, but like I was so sure you were going to pick it. Um, well, I felt like I should. And then I was like, it wasn't even the craziest game they no. played that day. A wild doubleheader given like all the circumstances oh, yeah. of changing, you know, home teams and everything that happened. Um, the game that I picked, and I'll just touch on briefly, 2020, the American League wildcard game, game two. I mean, this is, mm-hmm. I think, the other obvious pick against Cleveland. Like, I won't go too much into it, but it was just such a back-and-forth game. You had your playoff 2020 Stanton. You had a requisite Gary Sanchez home run. Yep. As, um, <laughs> makes it a, makes it automatically a favorite on your list. And then uh, a Brad Hand comeback, which who doesn't love a good comeback off of Brad Hand? Oh, my gosh. Um, it's automatic. So, 
that was one of the wilder games I've seen, but definitely the game you picked was up there too. I feel like those two games are like the 1A and 1B from 2020. Yeah, I so frankly, when I was putting together my list, I really wasn't considering playoff games. Um and maybe I would have picked the the Geo Grand Slam game if not for that. Um but uh yeah, I think those are definitely 1A and 1B with the postseason included. Yeah, I mean, I was trying to stay away from playoff games, but and I only like it had to be such a wild game on its yeah, own, and I which think that this was. was. I think it yeah. definitely was. Um, and yeah, even the games, you know, the wild card game, the ALCS games in 2017, like those didn't reach the wildness of this game. I think it's yeah, probably by the game alone, like the best Yankees playoff game since like 2012. So, but yeah, you could do a lot worse than that WPA swing that you picked. Yeah. Um, All right, picks eight and nine are yours. Okay, so we have three years left on the board. We have 2014, we have 2016, and we have 2021. And I, after thinking about it, I have my two. And I'll start again with the more recent one. 2021 was a very interesting year. It was a tough year for just general vibes, but it had some good games. And when I was thinking about it, I'm like, what game kind of captures the tough year lots of heartbreaking losses just like a general malaise around the team sometimes but in the end like they figured it out and I picked the August um the August 9th 2021 game against the Royals probably more commonly referred to as the time the Yankees blew five four different leads and then still went on to win the game um I'm a little bit surprised I I was looking at a Royals game, but it was not this one. So I think that, yeah, I, I definitely think I know which one you're talking about. Um, And that kind of also had a blown lead and a comeback. Um, yep. But I just thought this game was like unprecedented historically. I mean, I'm pretty sure it was the first time a team had blown that many leads and still won the game. Mm. And I think it just kind of sums up what this 2021 Yankees team was about. So this game was actually scoreless into the seventh. So you had six innings of scoreless baseball. And I remember it was Tyon versus um, Carlos Hernandez. Um, and I remember, like, I, was, I think I was packing to, I was moving from Boston soon. It was kind of one of those games, like, I'm like, Yankees Royals. Like, I don't know, this team frustrates me. I'm just going to have it on in the background. And as, as I think a few of these games were, you, like, slowly get more and more drawn in as things yep. start to happen. So this game was scoreless into the seventh. And... Another great WPA graph, just because it's such a back-and-forth one. I mean, the one you described from 2020 was one that had one major swing. This one had yeah. a bunch of little swings. So in the seventh, uh, Luke Voigt go- hits a go-ahead single against Carlos Hernandez. Yankees blow that. Loisaga gives up a sack fly to Ryan O'Hearn. Go to the eighth. Judge hits a go-ahead single. And in class in 2021, 20, Yankees form, Gardner gets thrown out at third. Yep. Uh, Loisica's in, puts two guys on. Chad Green comes in and gives up a Benintendi single to tie the game and then keeps the score right there. So in the ninth, now Richard Lovelady, an all-time the Dick Lovelady classic <laughs> baseball name. I mean, that right there could put that game on this list. Absolutely. Luke Voigt, after two outs, hits a, a go-ahead home run, and Zach Britton comes in, who was acting as the Yankees' closer at this time. And I think this was – was this bef- this might have been before – I think this was before the Field of Dreams game. So 
actually, this was when Britain said, remember he said he didn't want to be closer anymore, and then he closed the Field of Dreams game and blew it. Yeah, Yeah, that was, man, this team. um, This team was a saga, a saga all their own. Britain walked Whit Merrifield, and then Merrifield stole second, and Nicky Lopez hit a game-tying single. So now you have the uh, Dick Lovelady back out for another round in the 10th. Andrew Velasquez is the ghost runner. Tyler Wade singles. Higashioka sack fly. Gardner singles. Multi-run lead and extras. You think this one's okay. They can't bring home another run. Clay Holmes is coming in. This was good Clay Holmes, but we didn't know he was good yet, except Mm -hmm. he wasn't good in this game because he (laughs) walked Benintendi, wild pitch Dyson, and then Dyson hit a sack fly. Hanser Alberto ties the game. So now the Yankees are have blown leads in four straight innings. I mean, this was as futile as it gets. I, I would love to go back and remember what our Twitter looked like that night because it was probably the emotional roller coaster that we all yeah. remember that 2021 season to be. And then in the 11th, the Yankees said two runs isn't enough in extras. We're going to make it three runs. Uh, LeMayhew RBI double and Gardner RBI single. And multi-run lead again in extras. Wandy Peralta comes in and... Edward Olivares hits a, a single to score a run. Hunter Dozier hits a single. So now you have the time run at the plate again. And thankfully, Carlos Santana ended that game. But it wasn't, it was a crazy game. It was in the middle of the Yankees actually starting to get their, their feet about them that year. It was definitely not the best game. It wasn't like the most fun game, but I thought it was crazy enough that it really represented what these 2021 Yankees were about. And I just felt with this team, like the other game I was thinking about, I know you were thinking about the Royals game. Um, I was thinking about a few others. I was also thinking about that the end of the year, the the season finale against Tampa. That was also like a similarly agonizing game. And I'm like this, like this team, it has to be one of these games that you like, you, you were more relieved when the game was over more so than actually like exhilarated, excited, ecstatic, uh, so that's my pick, and I, I'm I'm standing by it, even though it was definitely not the most fun I've had watching baseball. Yeah. So my honorable mentions, uh, yeah, definitely game one sixty two, um, the Gary Sanchez and Luke Voigt, uh, game against Kansas City, uh, was another great one. Um, I also liked the Clint Frazier walk off. Uh, mm-hmm. in I believe the eleventh inning against Tampa, and um, a game that wasn't so crazy, but that felt um consequential, was uh the Yankees were playing the Blue Jays in Buffalo, and Ross Stripling was dueling with Garrett Cole, um, and then in the seventh inning, um. Gary Sanchez uh, pinch hit for Kyle Higashioka and hit a monster home run to put the Yankees up 3-2, and they would go on to win the game 3-2. Those were my honorable mentions from 2021. Yeah, one other one um, that I was thinking about was the September Minnesota makeup where Judge uh, tied the game with a home run, and then Gary Gary won it. Gary walked it off, yep. That was was probably like one of the best vibes games for the 2021 Yankees. Um, cause it was kind of, it, it, 
they were struggling and that felt like it was going to be a consequential turnaround. I mean, that team had so many, you know, this is the game, the season turns around games. Um, so, and I definitely think the, the Royals one that you mentioned game 162, like all could have been up there. I don't think this was the best year by far for like anything, but, no. um, there were, there were their share, the share of good moments. Um, they were few and far between, but they did exist. All right. I'm interested to see which game you leave me with. Okay. So, these are two years. So I, I'm going to leave you with, unfortunately, 2014 because there were a lot of games I liked from the 2016 season. Like I honestly amount. think that my 2014 pick is better than my 2016 pick. So I, I don't mind this. This all works out then. Um, yep. There were a few games I, I actually really liked from this year. And I'm going with the September 6th game against the Toronto Blue Jays. Um, do you remember this? The Blake Parker, Brett Gardner game ending catch game. Oh, I don't know if I do. The it, one I picked was from a couple days later. Let me pull up the box score and see what I remember, but go ahead. So basically, this game, uh, the Yankees were mounting a, a comeback to get back into the playoff race. So, like, at, at the time, this, you know, every game felt consequential, even though they didn't end up making the playoffs, as you love to, you know, reminisce about the rise of Gary Sanchez, like the beginnings of the Baby Bombers. You had Aaron Judge playing alongside. Um, you know, Brian McCann, and by this time, Carlos Beltran was gone, but Mark Teixeira was still around. So it's kind of like the the changing of the guard. Um, in this game, and this was just a, a really a really good game with a really good ending and a very nerve-wracking ending. I think the theme of these last two picks for me is it was a lot of stress, and the relief was higher than the <clears throat> exhilaration. So Aaron Sanchez going against Luis Sessa um, in this game, and... Encarnacion, Edwin Encarnacion, uh, future Yankee, and Brian McCann both homered, and that made it 1-1. Jose Bautista singled off Aaron Sanchez. Tyler Austin homered, so it's kind of like a normal game, 3-2. Mm-hmm. to two. Um, The fun really starts when we get later into the game, and specifically in the seventh inning was when stuff started happening. At Tyler Austin's home run in the seventh inning. Then in the eighth inning, um, Adam Warren comes in, gets two quick outs, then gives up a single to Tulowitzki, and then Tommy Lane comes in, pass ball to BG Upton, walks Upton. And this is like peak, peak, you know, shitty Yankees teams with um, not good relievers. Yep. Um, and there were four pitchers in this inning. So Tommy Lane, and also before the three batter minimum. So yep. we had one batter, Tommy Lane. Then we had Ben Heller come in, give up a two-run double to Kevin Pillar that put the Blue Jays on top walk Justin Smoke, and then the fourth pitcher of the inning, Jason Shreve, comes in to get Devin Travis. I mean, the three-batter minimum, definitely important. This inning kind of highlights why it was important. To have four pitchers to get three outs is the kind of insanity that used to happen regularly. So bottom of the eighth inning, Jason Grilly coming in for the Blue Jays, walks Ellsbury, Gary strikeout, a DD triple and a Starling Castro sack fly tie the game, and then uh, Chase Headley hitting a go-ahead home run um, sorry, um, Castro's home. Sorry, Castro's sack fly was the um, go ahead. Chase Headley's tacking on with the home run. Suffice to say, the Yankees turned a four to three deficit into a seven to four lead. Um, Judge striked out looking to end the I- inning, but then Dellen Batances comes in for the ninth. <laughs> and Dellen Batances, we love Dellen Batances. This is a pro Dellen Batances podcast, and he unfortunately had you know a wild tendency sometimes as all of the most recent great Yankees relievers are want to do walking Jose Bautista walking Josh Donaldson 
wild pitch to Encarnacion and RBI single to um, then Encarnacion. So Yankees have a three-run lead. It's now down to a two-run lead. Gets Russell Martin striking out, but then walks Deion Navarro and then gives up a single to BJ Upton. So now bases are loaded. One out. This game is hanging in the balance. And the Yankees, because, again, they use four pitchers in an inning, have to bring in Blake Parker. And at this point, I think everyone just assumes, you know, going to have to fight for a tie game or get out of a deficit. Somehow, Blake Parker strikes out Kevin Pillar looking. But then the somewhat dangerous Justin Smoke comes up, sends a ball to left field that yep. Brett Gardner made given the circumstances in the game and just in general, one of the more incredible catches at the wall that you've seen. And this was probably, you know, second to Hicks, one of the best defensive plays to end a game that I can remember. Um, yeah. It was just, you know, the feeling of like, oh shit to like, we just won the game. What just happened? One of the best feelings in a baseball game. I think the 2019 Aaron Hicks catch is like the best encapsulation of that feeling, but this is right up there, just snatching victory from the jaws of defeat and just a, a really fun game in a stretch that was a great, great time for the Yankees. Um, a lot of fun games from this year. Two other ones I just want to quickly shout out. Um, the Starling Castro walk-off home run against the Rockies in June. Sure. Because um, that involved a a comeback. Yankees scored four in the seventh, and then Castro walked it off in the ninth. And probably the one I would have picked, I just vividly remember watching this one, where the Yankees scored six runs in the bottom of the ninth and came back to beat the Rangers. Um, mm-hmm. They were t- they were trailing seven to two in the eighth, and Didi Gregorius hit a walk off home run. Um, that was a great one. Yeah, one of the the best ninth inning comebacks we've seen. It was Brian McCann three run walk off home run, and then Didi two run. Uh, Three-run game tying home run, two-run walk-off home run by Didi. So some great individual games from uh, an up-and-down year for the Yankees. But uh, I'm going with that 2016 game just because I I love a good game-ending defensive play, um, especially in a situation like that, especially against the Blue Jays because we just hate the Blue Jays. That was a great one. Uh, One other game I'd like to shout out from that year, um, as the Yankees were making their late season playoff push, getting within like, you know, four ish games of the division, um, there was a game where Tyler Austin hit a walk off home run against mm-hmm. the Rays that I just remember watching with friends that uh I thought was a lot of fun. Um one thing I want to talk about from the game you picked, the box score is crazy. Um like look at uh so Troy Tulowitzki starts at shortstop. Um, he gets pinch run for by Dalton Pompey. Then Ryan Goins comes in to play shortstop. He gets pinch hit for by Deonor Navarro. And what is the most important thing about Deonor Navarro? That, what? I don't know. That he was traded with Brad Halsey and Javier Vasquez for Randy Johnson. Oh, I thought you were going to mention who the next pinch runner was. Oh, Brad Halsey, rest in peace. And then Deonor Navarro is pinch run for by Darwin Barney, who is very clean and loves Pete <laughs> Schnapple. But what type of bat was he using? We'll never know because he did not get in that bat in this game. Well, we do know that probably it would have been a heavier bat, <laughs> which is not as light and weighs more. Yeah, it just... You guys will not get that, and that's okay. Just talk to a molecular engineer if you don't understand. Um, or Ken Rosenthal. Or Ken Rosenthal. All right, should I wrap things up here? Let's let's hit the last year. I'm very interested to see because this was probably the only year on this list where I had a few games, but I didn't have one that I loved. Um, so 
and maybe I'm I have a small idea of what you might do and if you go that way I would definitely support it even though it did not make my list all right so I'll be frank uh I struggled to think of what game I should pick and this game you dismiss the Glaber walk-off home run game that we discussed before from 2022 as, um, uh, you know, more of a pitcher's duel than a crazy game. I picked a pitcher's duel. I, I will not lie to you, uh, but it was a weird pitcher's duel. Wait, is it in August against the Texas Rangers? Yes. We no, the- it's in July against the Texas Rangers. Oh, okay. Nev- wait. Is oh no, it's in July. I just I just labeled it wrong. No, we picked the same game somehow. Yeah. So <laughs> I so, love this game so this much. Is a, this is a great game. So first of all, this is an incredible box score game. But uh the Yankees started Chase Whitley. Uh Chase Whitley threw six scoreless innings against the Texas Rangers. Uh the game goes scoreless until the top of the thirteenth inning. Um, at this point, the Yankees have used, uh, Chase Whitley, Matt Thornton, Adam Warren, Dellen Batances, David Robertson, Sean Kelly, and are on to David Huff. So this is like, it's like peak, um, peak like that era Yankees box score. Uh, in the top of the 13th inning, the first run of the game is scored when David Huff allows a solo home run to J.P. Aaron Sebia. He gets out of the rest of the inning unscathed. Uh, we then have Brett Gardner leading off the bottom of the 13th against Joaquin Soria, who would go on to World Series greatness shortly after. Um, Brett Gardner doubles. Jeter sacrifice bunts him to third. Ellsbury singles him home. Uh, now the game is tied. We go to the 14th inning where Jeff Francis... Uh, holds the Rangers scoreless, and then um, Brian Roberts hits a ground rule double. Uh, Francisco Cervelli singles him to third, and Chase Headley, who had just shown up, newly acquired Chase Headley, uh, singles in Roberts uh, to score the winning run. Um, just a ridiculous game. Like it, the fact that Chase Headley just showed up and pinch hit and got four at bats because the game was so long. Um, you know, that on its own is ridiculous. And then like you you just scout the box score a little bit. Multi-hit games from Brett Gardner, Jacoby Ellsbury, Carlos Beltron, and Brian Roberts. Uh Jeff Francis gets the win in the game. Uh opposing pitchers included uh, you know, Neftali Feliz and Joaquim Soria. Uh the Rangers lineup had, you know, Hall of Famer Adrian Beltre in it, but also, like, who's hitting third? Well, of course, it's Jim Aducci. Uh, future Yankee Rugnet Odor was there. I mean, just a ridiculous, like, that was baseball in 2014, and that was, you know, the state of the Yankees. They started Kelly Johnson, Brian Roberts, Francisco Cervelli, and Zealous Wheeler. Of, of course they did. Why wouldn't they? Yeah, I mean, that, like, if you think this year's offense is bad, I mean, look at you know the numbers for that team at that time and this was yeah this was like late July and players not named Brett Gardner and Jacoby Ellsbury were no one was OPSing over 700 I mean I actually yeah I picked the game for pretty much all the same reasons which is hilarious I just was like looking at that box score I'm like this is the ultimate remember some guys game 
plus like I, if you pick a pitcher's duel it has to be one as crazy as this and there's nothing better to me than a pitcher's duel that where both teams don't score for a long period of time and then like both score at the same time like that's yeah. just the randomness of baseball throw in Headley just arriving Michael K I think reminded that us of that like every single time he was at bat in that yep. game um just one of the classic you know 2014 games which is to say there were not many classics um but no. oh certainly very worthy pick um one some of the other ones I highlighted I actually thought you might say Jeter's last home game because that was like oh sure somewhat okay. of a crazy game I don't think it's like crazy enough to top the list but like in a weak year you could do a lot worse than the craziness of the end of that game yeah. I think a lot of it's context dependent though so like loses some points there um and mm-hmm. I kind of like the purity of this pick kind of more in the spirit of what we're going for um one other game or some other games so I don't have any memory of this I, like how I was preparing for this I was like going through I'm like what games went to extra innings that year what were yep. like high run scoring games like and I came across a 12 to 11 Yankees Rangers game that happened like in pretty re- re- close proximity I mean that game so the game we just talked about happened uh, on July 22nd. The Yankees were in Arlington a week later and played a very random 12 to 11 game um, where like you could, again, kind of like the same, like we don't have to go through it again because it's the same guys basically, but Brandon McCarthy versus Nick Martinez. And just like, as, as it's just funny to me that like two teams could play a two to one scoreless extra inning games. And then a week later, you know, hop on the plane and put up 23 combined runs and, that's just like kind of I don't know. That's baseball. That's baseball yeah. season. Um, j- like I don't remember anything about that game, but I just remember like that. You know, or I can I remember what that team was like. And I mean, I, the two to one game is a lot closer to what that season was like than the twelve to eleven game. Um, two other quick games. There was a game from St. Louis in May that I remember where the Brendan Ryan playing first base game that went to extras. And it wasn't like that crazy, but like that specific moment was crazy. It was six to four Yankees. They, you know, again, we're picking from a pretty weak crop here. Um, but like one of those games where, you know, extra innings in a National League park, a lot of like pinch hitters, guys playing out of position, definitely some a little bit of weird baseball going on there. Um, the one I probably would have picked as a runner up, though, was the Chris Young walk off home run game where sure. the Yankees were down four to the Rays in the eighth and then came back to win it five to four in the ninth off a Chris Young three-run walk-off home run. Um, again, like, didn't really mean much at that time, but, like, it was a good comeback against the division rival. Like, the way we're talking about this shows you that this draft is probably wrapping up because this is not the cream of the crop, and I think we, we both zeroed upon the best game, but just some other things to consider probably about – I don't know if you're ranking the last 10 years, I'd probably say that was the worst year. All things yeah. non Derek Jeter were pretty mediocre. Um, although Masahiro Tanaka debuted, um, but he got injured. So Legend. there was a bad side to that too. Yeah. I, uh, I, the, the cupboard was pretty bare when it came to picking a, a, a game for 2014. And I don't even feel like I watched a ton of games in 2014. So, um, yeah, I think I basically rode the high of UConn winning the national championship for the entire year, and it just got me all the way to like, oh, let's be romantic about the end of Derek Jeter's season, and mm-hmm. then like I didn't have to worry about baseball again until 2015. Yeah, I mean, that was kind of... That that team did not 
well, actually, maybe it did have high expectations. I don't know. It's it, it might have, but like it was very quickly clear that nobody on that team could hit. And that's yeah. kind of a problem. Again, like if you think the Yankees offense is bad for some reason, just go look at some box scores from 2013 to 2016, and it can get a lot worse. Yeah. A lot worse. <laughs> yeah. It's uh, I this really this exercise really put into perspective how wild just so much of the last 10 years have been for the Yankees. And, you know, I'll we've been going for way too long. So I'll close by saying, like, uh, in the 2019 ALCS, something like 125 of 206 or maybe 135 of 206 at bats went to like. DJ LeMahieu, Gary Sanchez, Aaron Hicks, Didi Gregorius, Brett Gardner, and, and and maybe that was it. But like those guys combined to take zero uh, at bats in the 2022 ALCS, even though we really see those as being two of the same team, right? Like mm-hmm. there's the the 2017 18 teams and then there's kind of like the okay let's get serious era teams and and 2019 feels like it was the start of that um you look back to 2014 and 2015 and 2013 and the guys appearing in this game in these games like we had Gregorio Petit in one of these games and you know we're talking about Esmil Rogers and Nick Rumbelow and Blake Parker like it's crazy how much turnover these teams experience for how we group them together in our heads. And I think this really put that into perspective for me that, um, you know, there's, there's so much that we don't, uh, we don't always consider when we are thinking about how similar teams are year over year. Yeah. I mean, if you had done this exercise, say we had Yankees files, you know, a decade earlier and you had done it from like, I don't know, 1999 to 2009 or just some, there would have been so much more continuity and Mm -hmm. like, it's just, there are so many different eras. Like it, it was definitely fun to be a Yankees fan in the Jeter dynasty, but like there's, you know, that is not the norm. And I feel like the last like 10 years have been, kind of more the norm of baseball where you know you have like the the end of an aging uh an aging dynasty you have a lot of mediocre teams in the middle and then you have the the birth of this new core but then you also realize like you said there's a lot of turnover within that and just some of the names we've talked about like from Yankees teams that you wouldn't necessarily expect them to be on or just like guys you wouldn't expect to be on the team in that year and it's not you know it's not always so clean and smooth and um, I'm just, you know, what this solidifies for me is that I think the most recent five years of Yankees baseball have been so much better than the first five years that we talked about. Um, it, it makes me very appreciative to be doing the podcast and the blog at this specific time um, because I think people who have latched onto the team recently might take like all this success for granted. But I think that the middle era of the 2010s showed that like you can't take this stuff for granted and you should be appreciative of like each, you know, (laughs) each game and each team as they come. And each year is kind of its own thing. Um, We're lucky to be in a pretty extended stretch of competitive baseball, but there, there will be dark times again. And I guess the point of this draft is like, even in the dark times, there are moments of brightness and just like lots of fun baseball games and moments that um, should be and you know, will be as long as we're here appreciated. 
yeah, I, I think we can be depended upon to do that. Uh, Whipple, has anything about your confidence in the Yankees changed since our last episode, or are you sticking where you were on the scale of 1 to 10? Um, well, the Yankees still – let me check. Um, well, they still have Aaron Judge, so – They I'm, do. <laughs> I'm, I'm pretty good in saying that, you know, I, I feel pretty good, and we don't need to talk about – this year's team um I, I this has inspired me to go watch a bunch of old highlights and yeah, you know we'll have plenty of time to talk about the 2023 yankees um i'm more confident in my love of the 2015 yankees though i i stumbled upon that rabbit hole so that's an increase in confidence there for sure i'm glad you were able to uh to rediscover that um i'm i'm still where i was on confidence eight and a half or whatever that may have been um this, this was a lot of fun. I'm glad we did this. The episode's way too long. It's going to take me a year to edit, but, uh, you know, it'll be an enjoyable one to go back and listen to. I, too, am going to go watch some uh, old highlights to get ready for the work week. Uh, any parting shots, Whipple? Yeah, actually, just this is kind of a, a live time suggestion, but um, maybe we could, you know, try to put the um, the list of games or like, I mean, I know you're editing, so I'm happy to take this on, but I, I'd love for people to be able to vote on whichever team they think is better, whichever draft team, or just like if they, you know, see whichever um, group of games that you maybe vote on a specific game based on the 10 we chose. So, you know, it, it's a fun opportunity to remember some guys and some games. So I think we, we can try to get that on Twitter in some way. Um, I, yeah, I'd love to see what people think was the better collection of games. So we'll make that happen. Yeah, I, I think I think we can swing that. All right. Well, uh, as always, people can follow us on Twitter where we're at Yankees Files. They can listen to our podcast wherever they get their podcast. They can keep up with any other content we're making at yankeesfiles.com. We hope that if you enjoyed the podcast, you'll rate, review, and subscribe. We hope if you didn't enjoy the podcast that you'll just subscribe. And uh, we'll be back sometime soon. Until then, let's go Yankees. <laughs>